Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, everyone. Worship. Woo! Yes, mask free. The mask crusader. Zorro has exposed himself. <laughs> well, it's so good to see you, church. It's been two long years since I have preached at Macquarie Life Church. Can you believe that? Come on, you need a bit more excitement than that, church. (laughs) It's so good to be back with family, to see so many familiar faces. You look great under those masks, let me tell you. But I must say, these Olympic games for me, I binge Olympics. If you know me well, you know I'm a sport fanatic, like MZ himself, Mark's there. I have inherited that trait from him. And so this past week has been the best week of my entire year. I've just been binging it. And I hope for you, if you were smart enough, you would have invested in some Japanese gold. Because those prices for the Aussies, the Aussies have been to Japan. They've doubled their price in gold and we have conquered, we have received those gold medals. And how good has it been? But now I'll tell you what, if you did invest in Japanese gold, start selling. Sell to the Jamaicans, start selling your shares right now. That gold commodity has gone up. You've made your profits. Now get rid of it. Sell to Jamaica, sell to the Kenyans, maybe the US. Don't sell to the Brits though, okay? We don't want them winning anymore. They've, they've, they've had their time. We love them. They're our brothers and sisters. They're the motherland, but no more. We don't want them overtaking us on the medal tally. My wife, Lizzie, isn't here tonight. She's eight months, eight months pregnant. And guess what she's doing? A ballet course right now as we speak. And she looked like she was doing Swan Lake with a bowling ball just tucked, <laughs> tucked under her shirt. I went and watched her for a while this afternoon and it was really funny. Um, but she's just, I love that she is pushing herself. She's eight months pregnant, but she's going for it. And she's not letting that pregnancy slow her down from learning. And that's my wife and I love her for that. So, tonight we're going to be continuing our series on human. A few of you attempted to say human beings then, weren't you? (laughs) Human beings. Does anyone hate that saying when people go, we're human beings, not human doings? You know, that phrase for me, I find really frustrating. And when people have said that to me, we're human beings, not human doings, Dan. I get really annoyed, so don't come up to me at the end of the service and say that phrase to me. But maybe I should preach on that one time. Challenge accepted. But Davo preached an amazing message last week on spiritual health. And so it's my job this week to be preaching and sharing with you on relationships. The relationships with your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, mothers, fathers, grandparents, the boss at work. The dog, not so much the dog, but more the interpersonal relationships we're talking about. So everyone say relationships, yay. And everyone say relationships, no. Because relationships, as I've learned from my dad, and as he's spoken over me, relationships take you to the height and the depth and the lows, okay, of your emotions. And so this This evening, I want to share a couple of points 
that I have learned about relationships, how to create healthy relationships, how to maintain them. Now, at the beginning of this message, I just want to draw your attention to this, loneliness. In this COVID season, in this secular world, in this modern era, I need you to understand this, church, there is a real individualistic shadow side of our society. So many people are living through the acute pain of loneliness and no one to process this with. No one who can help them and no one who can do life with them. Dr. Vivek Murphy wrote an article for the Harvard Business Review and he said this, During my years caring for patients, the most common pathology I saw was not heart disease or diabetes, it was loneliness. Loneliness and weak social connections are sorry, associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Just let that sink in for a moment. Doctors are calling loneliness the greatest pathology of our time. Never before has the need for healthy relationships and loving thy neighbour been more evident. Deep in the fabric of every human being, is the need to be known and the need to know. Our deepest wounds come from relationships and our deepest healings come from relationships. In my life, some of the highest joys that I've had have been through relationship. But some of the deepest lows in my life have come through relationship. And I know that every single person here could say the exact same truth about their own life. If you look up at the screen... This is a photo of me and Lizzie with a family that we became friends with in Singapore. Now, this dog is a chow chow called Mokka. His name was Mokka. And I would walk past this dog every day because um, this family lived right near the back exit and gate to our apartment block. Now, Marcus, you can see the Chinese man with Mokka sitting on his lap, is a Chinese businessman. And he's on very good money, let me tell you, church. <laughs> In fact, he was considered a high-roller gambler. And he would get invited onto cruises and get the whole cruise paid for as long as he spent over $20,000. Now, Marcus was a Chinese avid Buddhist. He would burn incense every evening to his ancestors. He would visit the temple very regularly. But during COVID last year, I got to know him quite well. We became friends, me and Marcus. And one time I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me and say, take some cookies down to him. So guess what I did? I baked some cookies. I can bake, would you believe? And so I took some cookies down to him. And here I am, a young white male, giving some food to a Chinese man, middle-aged Chinese man. And you should have seen the look on his face. This has never happened to him before. But I'll tell you what it did. It opened up a door in our friendship for me and Marcus. He invited me then to come and have tea at his place. We had some Chinese tea worth a couple of hundred dollars. And I gave him some Tim Tams. So it was a pretty good trade-off. <laughs> but our friendship started to grow. And then we had dinner at their place. And then we invited them over to dinner at our place. And the reason I'm telling you this story is because my highlight 
during lockdown in Singapore for me was spending time with him. Walking past his place, Marcus, oh, Daniel, how are you today? And we would have our chats and um, Marcus became a real special friend and we could really share what we were going through, our troubles during that season in our lives. And um, not by running away from him because he had different values, but by moving towards him, by moving towards and getting closer to Marcus, that enabled our relationship to become healthy and stronger. And so I need you to get a hold of this. It's by moving towards people who may be different, who may have different values, who may have different beliefs, different religions, different love preferences even to you, but by moving towards them, the spirit of grace. That's when we become salt and light and a jolly good chicken salt at that. But let me tell you, church, that relationship and friendship for me was an absolute highlight and I was a salt and light in Marcus's life. Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40 says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, not all your stomach. I wish it said that. But this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Ah, oh, how hard is that at times? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So Jesus stings us with that, and then he stings us with loving your neighbor, who could be your worst enemy, the one who puts rubbish in your bin at nighttime, like I have done to some of my neighbors. The neighbor that smokes outside on their veranda and the fumes waft over to yours. The neighbor that doesn't pick up the dog poo on your front yard and lawn, your immaculate Better homes and garden type green lawn. Now, Frederick Brunner says this about this scripture. He phrases it this way. Love the God who loves you and cherish the person who meets you. And when I read that, I just felt, wow, this helps me. I feel like I can, I can achieve this. I feel like knowing that God, who already has chosen me and loved me, it, may, it makes a difference knowing that. To help me then understand, hey, I can do this. I can love God. It's a journey, church, though, isn't it? And then cherishing the person that we meet. Love of God gives to the love of neighbor. The love of neighbor often needs fuel. So let me, let me just stop here and camp here for a moment. We all get energy sapped when we love our neighbor. We're limited in the amount of output we can give to those around us. And so we do need to set up boundaries. But then at the same time, loving God will fuel your love for your neighbors. This was evident for me a couple of months ago when I had a friend in high school text me and say, hey, Dan, you're in Singapore, let's catch up. And I hadn't seen him since high school. And even at high school, we weren't even that close. We weren't even the same uh, kind of group together. And he kept persisting. And I didn't really want to see him, but... He just kept texting and he wore me down. So I finally decided, okay, yeah, let's catch up. Let's meet up. And when we met up, he started just sharing a bit about what he's been doing, how he's now a dad. He's got a kid and he's married to a, uh, a doctor who's doing a PhD. And um, he goes, oh, I've converted to Islam as well. I've become a Muslim. 
I said, wow, that's so interesting. I didn't expect that. But knowing that you had to do that to marry your wife, um, I can see that was a decision that you chose to make. And it opened up this whole big discussion about Christianity and Islam, some of the differences. But the Holy Spirit, instead of giving me, um, nudging me on preaching to him about certain Christian principles, guess what the Holy Spirit did? The Holy Spirit nudged me in a completely different direction. He said, you need to apologize to him for what you did when you were younger. I'm going to tell you something I did to him. (laughs) Forgive me, church, because I've already asked God for forgiveness. But what I did to this boy, we locked him in a drain and we put our bikes on top. Now, I know that's bad, isn't it? Um, And then we left him there. And then we, I'm telling my mum this for the first time, she's shocked. (laughs) We came back and let him out a bit later. But the Holy Spirit said, you need to apologize for that. And so then I had to go, okay, um, Justin, I need to just stop you there, buddy. I, I just feel like I need to say this, and I, I need to apologize to you. Something I did to you as a kid, and I locked you in that drain, and I'm really sorry. That was a horrible thing to do. Can you please forgive me for that, mate? And he goes, I hated you for a couple of weeks after that, and I didn't want to talk to you. I was so angry. But do you know what? A couple of years ago, I texted another friend who I needed to apologize for about something. And he forgave me. So do you know what? All good. And do you know what? It shifted my perspective, though, about the relationship I had with him. Because here he is, converted to Islam, and he had apologized for about something. So how much more should I be apologizing as well (laughs) for what I had done to him? Now, when, that, when I read out that scripture before, loving the Lord your God and also loving thy neighbor, the person who was asking this question was a Pharisee. And the motive behind him asking this question was to try and trap Jesus. But Jesus wasn't moved into such a, ma- a narrow mindset. Because the Pharisee asked for one commandment, but Jesus gives him two, two commandments. And... I want you to be aware, church, that we need to be careful not to be drawn into a narrow response that will trap you from loving God and your neighbor. It's very easy to get caught up in our society and everything that's happening on social media to take sides and get caught up in an emotional trap. But if we can navigate that using the Holy Spirit, knowing when to speak, knowing when to love, it really then sets us up for loving God with our whole heart and loving our neighbor. Do you know another big truth I want us as a church body to understand as well? Choose to love when living in a culture that has a love of choice. At the moment, there is so much about how everyone should have a choice for love. And the definition of love has changed from what's happening in here From the Bible, the definition of love has been altered to now what society says about love. But as Christians, we need to choose to love this way, loving thy neighbor, in a culture that has a love of choice. And how do we do that? Well, let's have a look. Romans 12, verse 9 to 21. I love, I absolutely love this passage of scripture that Paul's talking about because it 
brings this sense of community and it's totally love in action. It's 25 just short staccato commands that Paul just fires at the Romans. Here we go. Love must be sincere and hate what is evil. Well, I'll tell you what, let me stop you right there. My wife grabbing the remote control off me is definitely not a good sign or a prime example of healthy relationships. I'll tell you that much. Anyway, let's keep going. Cling to what is good. Do you know what? Jesus' moral vision of right and wrong is at the center of Christian community as well. Um, verse 10, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Oh man, is anyone else just feeling the weight of this as well? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That includes when you face cultural hostility. That includes... When, you, when your first emotion is hate towards someone, your first judgment is negative. Become a graveyard for hate. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. People shouldn't have to censor their rejoicing around you. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Almost the root problem of all relational tension and conflict is pride. But be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Humility is almost always the prerequisite for community. Otherwise, there is no chance of healthy relationship. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Don't need to make your social and moral decisions all by yourself. Community discernment. Use community discernment. Consult people you trust. Talk to people who have experience. Get their advice. Don't be lopsided in your opinions. Um, verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Be quick to apologize, church. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Outdo him in love. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. Give the Bible a clap. Wow. Um, just quickly, I'm going to umbrella this passage of Scripture into just three key areas for healthy relationships. The first one is connection. I've got a few connection keys. I would write these down. Um, because these are the connection keys that have helped me in my life. These are the ones that have helped me connect to people from all different age brackets, cultures, backgrounds in my life. The first one is common interest. It's extremely easy to bond with people over common interest. Um, we can always learn from people. We can always learn from people who have a common interest. And part of that is staying humble when you know someone else has got a common interest. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19 to 22 says this, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. Now let me just stop right there. What Paul is doing, he's not saying that he's altering his values in different circles. He's not altering his Christian beliefs. But what he's doing is saying he's adjusting his behavior. He's adjusting. He's making reasonable adjustments. As a teacher, what happens in the classroom is this. You've got 20 to 30 kids. They all learn differently. They've all got different needs. They've all got different demands from you. 
So as a teacher, it's my responsibility is to cater for those needs. I have to work one-on-one with some kids. I know some kids are more independent. I know some kids are visual learners. I know some kids are kinesthetic learners. I know some kids learn when the instructions are on the board. They're visual. Other ones can just pick it up like this. There are so many different learning needs in the classroom. So I adjust my teaching to cater for that. And this is what Paul's doing. He's saying adjust yourself to help people move closer to Christ. And when I've done that in my life, depending on which circle I'm in, I can adjust myself. I've learned to adjust, to listen, and follow what's going on in that social setting. Now, you have to be careful because you have to keep your Christian conviction as well. So that's where you balance conviction. You don't step into condemnation. You don't start pointing the finger. They start doing something to you that doesn't align with your values. You don't step in and start going, hey, you guys shouldn't be doing this. You're doing this completely wrong. No. Conviction, what conviction does, you look inward first. Conviction is all about what's going on in here for you. You go, hey, sorry, this doesn't really line up with what I want to do or what I believe. And when you make a stand like that, people respect you for it. They respect you from the conviction, not the condemnation pathway. Let's keep moving on quickly. All right, next connection, questioning. Get good at asking questions. Look at people who are good question. Questioning is a skill. Learn to be good at it. Next one, listening. Um, the Trinity listen to each other. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they work together. If they're listening to each other, we need to be listening to them. We need to be listening to each other as well. So um, listen first, speak second. Rick Warren says this, listening gives you the key to someone's heart. When you have the key to someone's heart, you can speak in. They will trust you. You know what matters to them. Next one, uh, humor and fun. People love fun. People love humor. We need to laugh. We need to laugh at times. Okay, we've got to be lighthearted. We've got to be able to laugh at ourselves. There's Proverbs on it. Proverbs 17:22. Proverbs 15, 15, um, 15 talks about laughter being good for the soul. Next one, shared moments. Shared moments bring unity. We've all been through moments with other people that have brought us closer together. And what happens is when there's a shared moment, it actually brings you and knits you closer and you have a bond about that moment. You can then look back down the track and go, hey, how funny was this? Or can you remember this? Or what happened there? And you've instantly got that shared memory and connection. And that's an important leadership principle as well. Leadership, you need shared moments together as teams. Okay, teams need that. They need moments where they can bond together. They can come together, helping each other out. You remember that. It brings unity. Um, And you see that even with David and Jonathan as well. When Saul, King Saul, there was a moment where there was all this tension and and King Saul was putting a lot of um, pressure. And what happened? David and Jonathan united together and it brought this incredible health and uh, to their friendship. And that was a shared moment. Okay, next one, hospitality and generosity. Lizzie's mum is the best at hospitality I've ever seen. She gives up meals just so her neighbours can eat. And the last connection point that I had there is in their world. Now, what this means is this. You remember something that's important to them in their world. Or you do something that will make a difference in their world. And it could be something extremely small. A little encouraging thing to say. 
a little positive comment about something they did. It might even be this. Hey, you would love this. I know what you're like. I know you would love watching this TV show. Even something like that. See, what I'm doing is saying, you would love this. That's proving that I know that person. And so it's actually going, I know what you love. And it's connecting them to this. And people love that. They love feeling connected. Let me move on to the next slide because I'm just very fast running out of time. Consistency. Healthy relationships are not designed to be stagnant. They need regular flows. What happens to a stagnant river or a body of water? It dries up. It becomes a breeding ground for bacteria. Relationships, a healthy relationship will not be stagnant. It will flow. And this links to communion. Because when we take communion, we we should be doing communion regularly. Because when Jesus says to us, this is my blood that is poured out for you, that word poured actually is translated in Greek to a rushing. It's a gushing. It's a force. Now convert that to relationships. Communion, Jesus' blood, His love for us, healthy relationship. It needs activity. It needs regular commitment. It could be a text message. It could be a phone call. It could be a comment. It could be something very small, but it has to be consistent. Next one, care. Ask yourself, what can I give to this relationship? Not what can I get out of this relationship? I just want to put up the last slide now. This is a photo of <laughs> my friend Lucy. Oh. Um, Lucy started teaching at the same time as me in Singapore. And we had a staff meeting on Zoom last year. And I could see Lucy was crying on the Zoom staff meeting. And someone asked her on the Zoom, are you okay, Lucy? She goes, yeah, 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 I'm all right. But I could tell something was really wrong. So as soon as that Zoom meeting finished, I called her and said, Luce, are you okay? What's happening? Are you you all right? And she goes, oh, my uncle's just passed away and I can't make it back for the funeral. And she goes, I'm so close with my uncle. And um, just listening to her and helping her process some of this pain. I then said, Luce, I, I want to pray for you right now. Do you mind if I can pray for you and your family? And there I was just praying for her on the phone. The next day, I stepped, up, stepped it up with my baking again, it cooks, took some cookies around, delivered them to her. Um, and it made a real difference in her life. Because this Easter... She said, oh, what are you and Lizzie up to Easter weekend? I said, oh, we're going to church. She, and I hadn't planned on asking her, but she goes, can I come? I want to come to church. I want to come to you, with you guys to church. I said, sure, Luce, come along. And um, we're in worship and I look over and she's crying in, our, in the church Easter service. And um, she continued to cry all through worship. Whew. And then after the service, I said, how did you go? And she goes, oh, this just meant so much to me. I loved this. 
It just meant so much to me. My grandma goes to church and I've grown up going to church in a Christian school. But, you know, I understood what someone was about too. And um, can I just say that in that moment where I got to pray for Lucy with her uncle, she was facing a bit of trauma and a bit of pain. And to have a healthy relationship with someone, you need to be there for them when they're going through some of the pain or some of the sadness or a dark moment because they need someone to help hold that pain with. You don't need to give them the answers. You can just be there. Just help hold them through that moment. Robert Stolio says, Trauma is when severe emotional pain cannot find a relational home in which it can be held. Wow. We all need a relational home. And for, for Lucy, Lizzie and I could be that relational home for her. Church needs to be the relational home. As C.S. Lewis says, relationship is coming out of the prison of self to come and give your life away in love to another. Let me just ask you this then. Does anyone here want to experience the love of Jesus? We love because He first loved us and chose us. He has chosen you. He knows you. He knows you inside and out. He knows your future. He knows what's in your heart, your deepest, darkest secrets and your loneliest nights. He has seen it and He wants to be in relationship with you. And so I ask you this question, do you want to let Him in? Do you want to begin that journey? So can everyone just close their eyes? And if that is you, if you would like to ask Jesus into your life and begin this journey where this peace just comes upon you, if you'd like to raise your hand and I can say a prayer with you now. It's a simple prayer. Does anyone here like to accept Christ, accept Jesus into their world? Awesome. Would you like to, if, if anyone had, doesn't have their hand up but would like to come and ask me any questions in the service, come down, talk to me. I'd love to speak with you a bit more about it. Keep your eyes closed, church. Loneliness. I spoke and shared on loneliness just at the beginning. And I know some people here tonight would feel lonely. They'll be going home tonight feeling lonely. And I just stand with you now as your brother and say, hey, as a church, we're with you. You're not alone in this. Loneliness can steal. It can rob. But when you choose to put your trust in Jesus and your trust in some other people that you can trust, loneliness can start to just wash, wash away. So let me just say a prayer now for anyone who is experiencing that loneliness. Father, you knew loneliness more than any of us because right before you went, but right before you went to the cross, you were lonely in the garden by yourself. You know loneliness. And so Holy Spirit, anyone here tonight that is experiencing loneliness, feeling alone, that Lord God, you would remind them of your promises, your amen, 
You would remind them of your goodness. You would remind them, Holy Spirit, of your word. You would surround them with people who can comfort them, who can love them. And Lord Jesus, we declare that nothing shall stand. Nothing will get in the way of that promise. Any loneliness that would lead to depression, any loneliness that would lead to anxiety, we just command away in your mighty name, Jesus. We also just speak healthy relationships. You would use us to be that salt. You would use us to be that light. Use us to be this vessel, Father, that we can remain humble. We can remain open. We can hear your promptings, Holy Spirit, in your name, Jesus. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.